You're listening to the Superpower Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and you all are in for a treat today. So I'm not going to let her talk just yet, but because I know the second I let her talk, you guys are, I'm going to lose you all. Um, but she, this woman is just this amazing kind of flowy, ooey, gooey yumminess of energy. And, and, and she has such a wealth of information to bring to things, which, which, you know, I appreciate on this show. Like I love the energy and the, the woo woo and the embracing and all of the things wonderful in that. But what I really appreciate is the grounded aspect of it and the practical application and the how does it fit in and can we really utilize this? Do we want to really utilize this? You know, those kinds of dialogues as we move uh, further and further on this evolutionary journey. So this woman, I'm just teasing you, obviously I'm not saying her name, but that's cool. Give me this moment because she's really fantastic. She, This woman talks about things like sexual sovereignty and and she's a body philosopher and, and all things like orgasmic and fantastic about the world and passion and loving yourself. And um, in my opinion, she's just the embodiment of that. And, and, and I think we could do with a little bit more of that in the world. We're going to talk with her today how, about how to love yourself first orgasmically, um, not just sexually, but, but, but kind of taking life by the, by the reins and, and orgasmically riding her um, you know, to her fullest. And I think that, that we have an opportunity on this show today to, to highlight ways to do that and to give you guidance in how to step more fully into yourselves and more fully into life. Um, so without further ado, please join me in welcoming Dr. Saida Desile to the show. How are you, my love? I'm so happy to be here. And like I said earlier, I'm so excited. You actually are one of the few uh, interviewers that actually pronounced my name correctly. So it just gives me this big <laughs> thrill to be like seen and felt and to join your audience and to share in a really abundant and beautiful way something that is actually our birthright. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. Oh, well, thank you. And I, you know, as I, I said to you, your, your name is very titillating. So I think it's super important that people say, I, I, I think that something energetically happens through your name. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more and more and more people aren't saying it correctly uh, moving forward, because there is something um, that as you step into that space, it's like a portal, you know, your name, your name is a portal. There we go. You heard it here first. Her name is a portal. She's magical and mystical and all things amazing. Um, So with that said, let's jump in and ask, what are your superpowers? (sighs) I was so excited knowing you were going to ask me this question and I had to sit for a second and go, wow, how do I define these, these superpowers that I have in in English? (laughs) Because I operate a lot with body language, but here we go. I think that one of the ones that I love that's been with me since I was a little girl, it was actually kind of uh, disturbing for a large part of my life, but now I love it is that I believe that I'm a catalyst. When I uh, step into a room or interact with, Uh, one-on-one with a client or a friend, there's something that catalyzes just by being in my presence. And it's usually if they're uh, in a stage of their life where something's happening where they're holding back their greatness, it's going to come up in their face. 
and get catalyzed. So, so that's one of my gifts and it's, I don't need to do anything. I just need to show up in that. Mm, beautiful. I, I really appreciate you giving voice to that. Um, cause I do feel that from you. I think that you do communicate through the energy, um, and the, and the body. And it's fascinating because I, I, I understand why you and I are so connected. I do the exact same thing, but I do it with words. Like my job is to articulate it. And, um, and I understand and as you're talking, like I'm smiling because I, I had a realization the other day that it always happens. And it took me a while to embrace that, to really claim that and say, this is, this is my work and this is what happens. And here recently I had a situation where it was really tested, a, um, a conversation I was guided to um, pursue and we sat down and, and of course the person thought they were there for one reason and I was pretty clear we were there for another and um, you know, started in and the resistance was so strong and it took um, so much longer that usually it's instantaneous. Like people are like, Oh my God, I just feel so much better. I'm like, cool. Awesome. You know, good. Glad to help. Um, but this one, it took a good hour. And mm. when she got there, it was like, Oh my God. Like I felt spent. I was like, Oh my goodness. I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, she consciously had no idea what was going on, but it was just this, this kind of peeling back the layers and peeling back the layers. And then she finally felt herself. And, um, and it was just, you know, as I'm hearing God laughing, you know, like, ah, you know, you were going to give up, but it was, you know, it was that idea of um, catalyzing those opportunities for people. I, th I think is, is really essential work right now. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's essential for several reasons, because I think every single one of us, deep in our own hearts, feels a calling, a calling into our greatness, a calling to bring something forth that actually means something to us and contributes in some way. And when we're not allowing that to emerge, we're going to attract catalytic energy. So like yourself, you know, and then me and the, the other people who are holding that truth it must emerge and beauty must have its voice. Um, it's it's in incredible because the world really needs this, I call it like the global intelligence to wake up. And it doesn't need to just wake up in atrocity and fighting. It actually needs to wake up also in the beauty and the gifts and the expressions of those gifts. Well, I'm glad you brought it back to that because I teased a little bit before the show that we're going to talk today about love yourself first orgasmically. And, and it's not just a really cool title. It's, it's actually, I think, part of the process, you know, awakening to the, the passion and exuberance and, and, and just the fulfillment of life, like the pure, just sheer joy and, um, you know, the tingling, the, the, the turn on, all of those good things. How did you kind of come into that level of things, really claiming that space? Mm, it's an amazing question, Tanya. I actually believe that I was born uh, masturbating. Like I just, I was just, I came out with this connection to my body and my mom said I was in, incessant and she just had to teach me some boundaries. And that has infused my whole life, this beautiful, deep, connected relationship with the aliveness of my body. I like to actually change the words from sexuality and from these things because uh, the porn industry has really hijacked those things and, and made it difficult for us. So 
I prefer the word aliveness because that's the truth of it. When we are um, able to self-ignite and we feel that much life in our bodies, we do tingle. Our eyes do sparkle. And actually, we wake up parts of our brain that make us more courageous. They give us self-esteem. Um, we get more creative. And we even have access to what's called transcendent states, which might sound woo-woo, but they're very, very important right now to human beings because if we only have doom and gloom, uh, we shut down. Mm -hmm. So in order to, to feel like we're part of life, like we belong here, we belong to life itself, we need to have those little moments of magic throughout our day, throughout our week. And this is something we can self-ignite quite literally by being in contact with our bodies and our hearts. Mm. I, I, I really do believe you're spot on. And, and I like the idea of you kind of, um, you know, taking back um, and encouraging others to take back those conversations. It's, I don't know that it, everybody's consciously aware of the idea that, that the gateways are going to be through um, not just doing the inner work, but really challenging the bounds of any story and program that we chose to take on to include how we relate to ourselves and to others intimately. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't really see another way through. I think there's so much work happening in conscious coupling and redefining how we come together as full autonomous beings and what we have to offer each other outside of the codependent space, what we have to offer ourselves and others um, outside of the typical um, physicality of sex. Um, not disregarding the physicality of sex, because I think sometimes we go too far in the other direction of like, oh, life is just a big orgasm. I don't really need to have sex anyway. And it's like, there's, there's this kind of synergy in the balance of all of that. I don't even like balance. I think balance mm. is overused, but an integration of all of it. Mm. Yeah, agreed. And, and I love what you're saying, because um, the, the idea that I bring forth is that we are gourmet but we need to cultivate gourmet. And then we bring that, we offer that to relationships so that we're not beggars, but we're actually socially conditioned to be beggars in relationship. So we need to a little bit unlearn that piece and then understand that as we do this solo cultivation, this self-love, and we spend time putting items on this gourmet plate that we adore, that we feel fulfilled by experiencing. And then we offer it freely without having to bargain any part of ourselves in exchange for love or sex or anything. Oh, I call it prostituting yourself. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. Cause that's what it feels like. And it feels like, it's like, why? Like, like for nothing, no one, no way. And, and where I started with that journey, cause I know some of you listening are thinking, okay, that sounds all well and good, but how do I get from where I'm sitting mm -hmm. to where she's sitting, you know, cause I think we can all agree that where she's sitting, you know, that'd be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but the, um, you know, for me, it really happened first and foremost, dedicating myself to my own evolutionary journey above all else and to the detriment of all else. And that, that forced me to look at dependency on my role as a spouse or my role as a mom. And I had to really face the fact that I couldn't live for those reasons. I never really took on the identity of mom or the identity of wife, I, I think, because I kind of came to it later in life. Then um, I had done a few things, like I'd been in the spy world, I'd been a government agent, like there were some things that I had accomplished. And so by the time that came around for me, it was like, you know, kind of putting on a new set of clothes. But the 
but at, but but what that catalyzed for me was was a willingness to take a look and say okay what am i going to kind of rein in for myself and and by dedicating myself to my own evolution even if it meant disappointing people even if it meant not meeting somebody else's standards like even if it meant people not being really happy with me or liking me in that moment it gave that part of my process gave me a lot of courage to explore other areas and a lot of the territory that you're talking about. How did you open up to that space? Oh, first of all, Tanya, I just need to acknowledge, just take a breath and really acknowledge your journey. And it feels like I would call that becoming and being sovereign. And Mm. I just want to acknowledge that because it is so crucial that we have living examples of people doing that. So I want to thank you for sharing. Aww, and thank you. I just got tears in my eyes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important. So how did I come to this? You know, I think we all live in a world that has kind of these preset conditions and actually we need some of that because we have to orient ourselves socially. If we didn't have like you know, hello means a greeting and, you know, driving on the right side of the road, it would be utter chaos. So we need a little bit of structure within a society. But the piece that we forget is that we should not structure a person's essence, that we really do need to create a spaciousness for the truth of a person to feel seen and expressed in the world. And where this started to become true for me was when I had to face my own death. So a couple of decades ago, I had a very um, intense experience happen. People would call it a, a rape experience, but for me, I contextualized it differently. And it nearly cost me my life. I was given two weeks to live post that experience. And so I was quite young when I had to face making a really big choice. I had to choose to go against even my doctor's uh, words. I had to choose to go against the, the current mythology that they were using to heal me. I actually got permission to leave the hospital and go see an herbalist. Like I, I had to choose to create my own journey and healing path so that not only could I heal this physical body and actually live, but that I could actually contextualize this really intense moment in such a way that it became a point of power in my life. So that's where it began for me. Mm, Amazing. And I know you all can feel the power in what she just shared. I'm going to take this moment to take a quick break because when we come back, I think you and I are going to dive into some pretty intense um, areas around um, exactly what you just talked about. Um, You know, I too have those stories that I chose to help transmute this lifetime. And so, um, you know, I think, I think we, we can uncover a little bit more about that and really help some people who, want to see those situations differently and perhaps haven't had the right words or examples to do that. Um, folks, we've been talking with Dr. Saida Desilet and we've been talking about love yourself first orgasmically. When we come back from break, um, we're going to give you some ways you can step fully into that space. Um, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration Frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, 
intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you are ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and you all are in for a treat today. So I'm not going to let her talk just yet, but because I know the second I let her talk, you guys, are, I'm going to lose you all. Um, but she, this woman is just this amazing kind of flowy, ooey, gooey yumminess of energy. And, and, and she has such a wealth of information to bring to things, which, which you know, I appreciate on this show. Like, I love the energy and the, the woo-woo and the embracing and all of the things wonderful in that. But what I really appreciate is the grounded aspect of it and the practical application and the how does it fit in and can we really utilize this? Do we want to really utilize this? You know, those kinds of dialogues as we move uh, further and further on this evolutionary journey. So this woman, I'm just teasing you, obviously, I'm not saying her name, but that's cool. Give me this moment because she's really fantastic. She, this woman talks about things like sexual sovereignty and and she's a body philosopher and, and all things like orgasmic and fantastic about the world and passion and loving yourself. And um, in my opinion, she's just the embodiment of that. And, and, and I think we could do with a little bit more of that in the world. We're going to talk with her today how, about how to love yourself first orgasmically, um, not just sexually, but, but, but kind of taking life by the, by the reins and, and orgasmically riding her um, you know, to her fullest. And I think that, that we have an opportunity on this show today to, to highlight ways to do that and to give you guidance in how to step more fully into yourselves and more fully into life. Um, so without further ado, please join me in welcoming Dr. Saida Desile to the show. Oh, how are you, my love? I'm so happy to be here. And like I said earlier, I'm so excited you actually are one of the few uh, interviewers that actually pronounced my name correctly. So it just gives me this big <laughs> thrill to be like seen and felt and to join your audience and to share in a really abundant and beautiful way something that is actually our birthright. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. Oh, well, thank you. And I, you know, as I, I said to you, your, your name is very titillating. So I think it's super important that people say, I, I, I think that something energetically happens through your name. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more and more and more people aren't saying it correctly uh, moving forward, because there is something um, that as you step into that space, it's like a portal, you know, your name, your name is a portal. There we go. You heard it here first. Her name is a portal. She's magical and mystical and all things amazing. Um, So with that said, let's jump in and ask, what are your superpowers? (sighs) I was so excited knowing you were going to ask me this question and I had to sit for a second and go, wow, like how do I define these, these superpowers that I have in, in English? <laughs> because I operate a lot with body language, but here we go. I think that one of the ones that I love that's been with me since I was a little girl, it was actually kind of uh, disturbing for a large part of my life, but now I love it is that I believe that I'm a catalyst. When I uh, step into a room or interact with, 
uh, one-on-one with a client or a friend, there's something that catalyzes just by being in my presence. And it's usually if they're uh, in a stage of their life where something's happening that where they're holding back their greatness, it's going to come up in their face and get catalyzed. So, so that's one of my gifts and it's, I don't need to do anything. I just need to show up in that. Happening. Mm, beautiful. I, I really appreciate you giving voice to that. Um, Cause I do feel that from you. I think that you do communicate through the energy um, and the, and the body and it's fascinating because I, I, I understand why you and I are so connected. I do the exact same thing, but I do it with words. Like my job is to articulate it. And, um, and I understand as you're talking, like I'm smiling because I, I had a realization the other day that it always happens. And it took me a while to embrace that, to really claim that and say, this is, this is my work and this is what happens. And here recently, I had a situation where it was really tested, a a conversation I was guided to um, pursue, and we sat down, and and of course, the person thought they were there for one reason, and I was pretty clear we were there for another, and, um, you know, started in, and the resistance was so strong, and it took um, so much longer, usually it's instantaneous, like people are like, oh my God, I just feel so much better, I'm like, cool, awesome, you know, good, glad to help, Um, but this one, it took a good hour. And mm. when she got there, it was like, oh, my God, like I felt spent. I was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, she consciously had no idea what was going on, but it was just this this kind of peeling back the layers and peeling back the layers. And then she finally felt herself. And um, and it was just, you know, as I'm hearing God laughing, you know, like, ah, you know, you were going to give up. But it was, you know, it was that idea of um, – catalyzing those opportunities for people, I, th- I think is, is really essential work right now. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's essential for several reasons, because I think every single one of us deep in our own hearts feels a calling, a calling into our greatness, a calling to bring something forth that actually means something to us and contributes in some way. And when we're not allowing that to emerge we're going to attract catalytic energy. So like yourself, you know, and then me and then the other people who are holding that truth, it must emerge and beauty must have its voice. Uh, it's, it's incredible because the world really needs this. I call it like the global intelligence to wake up and it doesn't need to just wake up in atrocity and fighting. It actually needs to wake up also in the beauty and the gifts and the expressions of those gifts. Well, I'm glad you brought it back to that because I teased a little bit before the show that we're going to talk today about love yourself first orgasmically. And, and it's not just a really cool title. It's, it's actually, I think, part of the process, you know, awakening to the, the passion and exuberance and, and, and just the fulfillment of life, like the pure, just sheer joy and, um, you know, the tingling, the, the, the turn on, all of those good things. How did you kind of come into that level of things, really claiming that space? Mm, It's an amazing question, Tanya. I actually believe that I was born uh, 
yeah, masturbating. Like I just, I was just, I came out with this connection to my body and my mom said I was in, incessant and she just had to teach me some boundaries. And that has infused my whole life, this beautiful, deep, connected relationship with the aliveness of my body. I like to actually change the words from sexuality and from these things because uh, the porn industry has really hijacked those things and and made it difficult for us. So per, I prefer the word aliveness because that's the truth of it. When we are um, able to self-ignite and we feel that much life in our bodies, we do tingle, our eyes do sparkle, and actually we wake up parts of our brain that make us more courageous, they give us self-esteem, um, we get more creative, and we even have access to what's called transcendent states, which might sound woo-woo, but they're very, very important right now to human beings because if we only have doom and gloom, uh, we shut down. Mm -hmm. So in order to... to feel like we're part of life, like we belong here, we belong to life itself. We need to have those little moments of magic throughout our day, throughout our week. And this is something we can self-ignite quite literally by being in contact with our bodies and our hearts. Mm. I, I, I really do believe you're spot on. And, and I like the idea of you kind of, um, you know, taking back um, and encouraging others to take back those conversations. It's, I don't know that it, everybody's consciously aware of the idea that, that the gateways are going to be through um, not just doing the inner work, but really challenging the bounds of any story and program that we chose to take on to include how we relate to ourselves and to others intimately. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't really see another way through. I think there's so much work happening in conscious coupling and redefining how we come together as full autonomous beings and what we have to offer each other outside of the codependent space, what we have to offer ourselves and others um, outside of the typical um, physicality of sex, um, not disregarding the physicality of sex, because I think sometimes we go too far in the other direction of like, oh, life is just a big orgasm. I don't really need to have sex anyway. And it's like, there's, there's this kind of synergy in the balance of all. Of that. I don't even like balance. I think balance mm -hmm. is overused, but an integration of all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And, and I love what you're saying because um, the, the idea that I bring forth is that we are gourmet, but we need to cultivate gourmet. And then we bring that, we offer that to relationships so that we're not beggars, but we're actually socially conditioned to be beggars in relationship. So we need to a little bit unlearn that piece and then understand that as we do this solo cultivation, this self-love, and we spend time putting items on this gourmet plate that we adore, that we feel fulfilled by experiencing. And then we offer it freely without having to bargain any part of ourselves in exchange for love or sex or anything. Oh, I call it prostituting yourself. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. Cause that's what it feels like. And it feels like, it's like, why? Like, like for nothing, no one, no way. And, and where I started with that journey, cause I know some of you listening are thinking, okay, that sounds all well and good, but how do I get from where I'm sitting mm -hmm. to where she's sitting, you know, cause I think we can all agree that where she's sitting, you know, that'd be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but the, um, you know, for me, it really happened first and foremost, dedicating myself to my own evolutionary journey above all else and to the detriment of all else. And that, that forced me to look at dependency on my role as a spouse or my role as a mom. 
And I had to really face the fact that I couldn't live for those reasons. I never really took on the identity of mom or the identity of wife, I, I think, because I kind of came to it later in life. Then um, I had done a few things, like I'd been in the spy world, I'd been a government agent, like there were some things that I had accomplished. And so by the time that came around for me, it was like, you know, kind of putting on a new set of clothes. But the, but at, but but what that catalyzed for me was was a willingness to take a look and say, okay, what am I going to kind of rein in for myself? And and by dedicating myself to my own evolution, even if it meant disappointing people, even if it meant not meeting somebody else's standards, like even if it meant people not being really happy with me or liking me in that moment, it gave that part of my process gave me a lot of courage to explore other areas and a lot of the territory that you're talking about. How did you open up to that space? Oh, first of all, Tanya, I just need to acknowledge, just take a breath and really acknowledge your journey. And it feels like I would call that becoming and being sovereign. And mm. I just want to acknowledge that because it is so crucial that we have living examples of people doing that. So I want to thank you for sharing. Aww, and thank you. I just got tears in my eyes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important. So how did I come to this? You know, I think we all live in a world that has kind of these preset conditions. And actually we need some of that because we have to orient ourselves socially. If we didn't have like you know, hello means a greeting and, you know, driving on the right side of the road, it would be utter chaos. So we need a little bit of structure within a society. But the piece that we forget is that we should not structure a person's essence, that we really do need to create a spaciousness for the truth of a person to feel seen and expressed in the world. And where this started to become true for me was when I had to face my own death. So a couple decades ago, I had a very um, intense experience happen. People would call it a, a rape experience, but for me, I contextualized it differently. And it nearly cost me my life. I was given two weeks to live post that experience. And so I was quite young when I had to face making a really big choice. I had to choose to go against even my doctor's uh, words. I had to choose to go against the, the current mythology that they were using to heal me. I actually got permission to leave the hospital and go see an herbalist. Like I, I had to choose to create my own journey and healing path so that not only could I heal this physical body and actually live, but that I could actually contextualize this really intense moment in such a way that it became a point of power in my life. So that's where it began for me. Mm, amazing. And I know you all can feel the power in what she just shared. I'm going to take this moment to take a quick break because when we come back, I think you and I are going to dive into some pretty intense um, areas around um, exactly what you just talked about. Um, you know, I too have those stories that I chose to help transmute this lifetime. And so, um, you know, I think, I think we, we can uncover a little bit more about that and really help some people who, want to see those situations differently and perhaps haven't had the right words or examples to do that. Um, folks, we've been talking with Dr. Saida Desilet and we've been talking about love yourself first orgasmically. When we come back from break, 
um, we're going to give you some ways you can step fully into that space. Um, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. Perfect. We're back with, uh, you're listening to Superpower Podcast, and we're back. We're talking with Dr. Saida Desilei, and, and we're talking about love yourself first orgasmically. And, and, and I, I'm going to take the conversation to a little bit different twist. We all get that the, the conversations of passion and um, sensuality and um, titillation and all those great words um, is so enlivening. Um, but what we touched on right before the break was something extremely crucial, not just for the healing of individuals, but in my opinion, um, for the healing of, uh, of woman, of the divine feminine. But we're moving into this phase of looking at, well, what does it mean to heal the divine masculine um, in, in a parallel dialogue? And I think that we started opening that up. How, let, let's, let's share a moment. Um, you shared before the break that you had a really extreme example and experience with choosing you with mm -hmm. really moving into that full on autonomy and sovereignty that we talk about. What do you credit with having the courage to do that? My mother, she, uh, I called her when I got the news and she said, you know what you need to do right now? And I said, what? She said, you need to go see a really funny movie and you need to laugh. And that was amazing because what she gifted me in that moment was she didn't believe or take in the story that the doctor had. She also was reminding me that I needed to shake myself of that diagnosis and come back to a place where my spirit was enlivened by, by laughter. And then that gave me a little bit of space in between the diagnoses and what I was needing to choose because otherwise... I think it could have been very easily to believe the doctor and just go down that route. It, it, I call that, or the process that I use with that is, is being able to look something in the face and deny its existence. <laughs> um, you know, your, your way is a lot more gentle and loving, um, which isn't surprising. My way is a little bit more in your face. Um, and it's, but it's the ability to just say no. Not yeah. just, no, I don't really want to read that book or no, I don't really want to go to the movie with you, but it's, it's the no. It's like, it's like uh, towards the end of the Matrix when Neo goes, no, you know, I don't know if you're a Matrix geek, but it's like, you know, the idea of like, we have this reality and it, a lot of times we find that it's counter to what we know to be true. And it's like, well, why does what we see override what we know mm. to be true? Like mm. who says it has to be that way. And for a lot of people, it's like, you know, they know they're here to change the world, but they can't pay their bills. Well, yeah. why, does your, why does your bank account hold more weight for you than what you know to be true? Like you've touched the hand of God. How do you disregard that in light of a, a bill that comes due? Exactly. And I, what I draws us to that? Yeah, Tanya, you bring something up really important that's passionate to me. And it's, again, I want to bring it back to conditioning so everyone can understand uh, how, because we're limbic creatures, what that means is your mammalian brain, the part of your brain that's mammalian, it's a limbic system and it's an open circuit. This means that we need other mammals to complete that, but it also means that we're incredibly, we get imprinted very, very strongly, especially at, at a young age. 
we can re-imprint. This is why uh, things like your community, Tanya, are so essential because when we choose to say, I want to live my life by my superpowers, we need to be part of a community that's actually doing that so we can get that limbic resonance. So this mm. is really, really crucial because conditioning is so huge and we have been pulled away. We have been taught that our own nature, we should fear it and not listen to it and that we should abide by the guidelines of these external powers, whether it's parents or authority figures or whomever it is, that they somehow know better. And it's, it's sad to me, and that's a big part of my work, when we bring women back into their bodies, into themselves. I call it coming home to yourself. Mm. And, and what are the definitions that you are housing in that place? And are they actually still true for you? So I love what you said because it's just so igniting. It's such a turn on. And that's what I love talking to you because I, I get lit up so much mm. <laughs> in our conversation. But it's really important for the listeners to understand that we always do have choice. And here's the gorgeous thing. And we talked about this before we went on air is, okay, so your, your bank account is one thing and you know that you, you're born to do this other thing. That creates a lot of tension, Right. Mm -hmm. So where's the power? Are you going to put it in the, the, the bank account thing? Or are you actually going to shift your attention and go, that's where my power is. That's where my focus is going to be. I get that there's this thing and I also am going to focus here. Mm. And that, I love is, that. Yeah. And that is a person who actually is sovereign, who is choosing to be the creatrix of her own life or the creator of his own life. And it's so, so powerful for me when people actually get to see this uh, in micro moments, because I really believe that life and its gorgeousness and its power and its beauty and its initiations, so I call challenges initiations. They, <laughs> so do I. Oh, I love it. My God, like high five. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so funny. They happen like life is breath by breath, right? I mean, if, if you stop breathing, it's over. And that's that's the unfoldment of, of the mystery and the magic. And so these micro moments, don't take them for granted. Every little choice that you make has impact. It has impact. And when we are choosing to to sit in our sovereign space, which is our body. And when we're choosing to listening to that deep, deep yearning in our heart, and I actually believe that yearning, desire yearning of that caliber is actually our essence, our soul, talking to us through the, through the visceral sensation of our physicality. It, it gets our attention because it, it aches. <laughs> it's an mm, ache. It, and it, it is. And it's important to have that. It's what leads us. It's what actually gets us to be daring and audacious and take, take a step in a direction that we may would have never considered, but suddenly we do. And it, I mean, everything that you're saying is just poetry. And it's the, what's so interesting to me is I, I, I say often, I, you know, I tell people like somebody is always watching because my bias is, is that we, we feel each other energetically. We sense each other energetically first before we look to anything else. And intrinsically, if you are in touch with a higher aspect of yourself, and those of us who came to be way showers and change agents are, people get that. They may not consciously understand it, but they do get it. And then when you're demonstrating behaviors that are constricted or minimalizing or less than, 
we are sending a very dangerous message because we're telling people it's not safe to be that aspect of yourselves. And it's, it's, we don't get away with it. It's like the, the mm-hmm. Spider-Man comment of like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And it's like, if you get that you are tapped in at those levels, you have an obligation to live in an expansive, larger than life way, because otherwise we're, we're telling not just our children, not just the world's children, not just the people who come to us, but also those smaller aspects of ourselves over and over and over again, that it's not safe. And that you have to somehow live in a smaller fashion, and it's just not truth. But, I, but back to your point earlier, we need more and more and more people who are willing to be courageous and, and step into those spaces. And so I, I unabashedly say to people, you know, I'm usually the first incarnated being that people connect with who are, who's living in this, who's embodying this. And, and it's one thing to get it from your guides and to pray and everything else. But we have to have examples of people being that here. Mm-hmm. And it is possible for all of us. It's not, I mean, I'm pretty freaking special, but trust me when I say we all can do this. You know, I'm only special because, you know, that's how I like to feel about myself. But it's, um, we all have the capacity to do that and, and we all are ready to do that. And where I sit, I see everyone doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we, when we affirm those lower frequency aspects and we do it all the time in our society, um, you know, you know, affirming other people's lower frequency pieces, whether it's complaints about health or, or the person that cuts you off in traffic or your parents or your kids or your bills or whatever, like that's applauded in our society. And it's really kind of toxic, not kind of toxic. It, it is toxic and, and, and it's kind of gross. And so it's like, you know, make the very bold choice not to go into those dialogues, not because, because we all have those pieces too. It's not a lie. Like maybe a piece of you is stressed out about your bills, but there also is a piece of you that's totally not and is really in this amazing, divine, expansive space. Give voice to that. You know, you Absolutely. always have that choice. Absolutely. And I, oh God, again, you're, you just turned me on so much. I just <laughs> So here's a few ways that I actually uh, help myself make that transformation. Say there's this, like a stressor happening where someone cuts me off or I, I drop egg on, an egg on the floor and it smashes, you know, those kinds of like surprising moments that happen. Um, one thing that I say, and my husband's now started to say it in, in the people who are closest to me are now, I think it's just kind of virally expanding, but I'll, I'll always say that's exciting, you know, because when I contextualize as that, like the, the fear response then becomes an excitement response because it's the same thing <laughs> in the body. So I actually name it instead of like being like afraid in that second, I'm like, oh, that was exciting or that's exciting. And, uh, and then when something gracious does happen, I'm very, very clear to go, oh, yeah, more of that, please. <laughs> and, and so those two things seem to cultivate what I call grace in my life. Mm. And I think that we are starving for grace and grace is something that we can self-generate. I'm rolling because it's so obvious to me. Like you say, that's exciting. I say that's interesting. And it's like, <laughs> what well, where you turn on the body, I turn on the mind. And it's like, it's just so funny. It's, it, you know, I love the, the parallels. Um, anyway, great conversation, but I do want to go back to before the break. I, 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 told people that, that we, would, we would dive a little bit more deeply into this conversation, especially around um, the concept of rape. And 
the reason why I think it's important for you and I specifically to come back around to that is that when I wrote my book um, 10 years ago now, it, it, I didn't publish it 10 years ago. That was a journey in and of itself. Um, but the book I wrote in a matter of days, like, bleh, you know, it's, it was cathartic, therapeutic, like I had to get it out. Um, in doing that, I spoke of um, two different rape scenarios. And it, what you said really um, connected with me because, and I don't know if I shared this in the book, but I certainly have contemplated it since the, the concept that I don't know. Um, not, no, I do know. I, I never referred to what occurred as rape until somebody else did. Mm -hmm. And I was mostly confused, but my situation wasn't, um, wasn't yours. It was more of a, uh, shockingly, a cognitive thing versus a bodily thing. Um, and so it was a hijacking of my mind versus of my body. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, the body piece was in there, that wasn't really my experience of it. Um, and, and what it led me to was de de um, delving into the cognitive aspects of power. And, and what I realized was that, um, you know, even though, and, and there were two separate situations and one of them, you know, I was a trained agent. I could have killed a guy like, oh, you know, you could read the book if you want to belabor that whole point. But, but what I got out of it was that I, I could sit and look at the situation as something happening to me. But what I realized was how I was doing that to myself over and over and over again, just in daily ways. I was, I was really not inserting myself into my existence and and i would be the first to come to the defense of anyone else but i wasn't doing that for myself and, and so i made the parallel or the connection between you know if you're not doing that in the, the little moments um like you spoke about you're not going to do it in the life-threatening ones yeah and i don't care how much training you have like i said i could have killed the guy a million different ways and, and did nothing because i hadn't gone through the process of why would I, you know, like, like, who am I in this equation? And I could come up with all kinds of reasons. One of them was national security, why I didn't. And, um, you know, which is applaudable and commendable, and I could pat myself on the back for it. But it was really just a disguise for my own insecurity. Right. And so the reason I want to circle back around to that isn't to kind of dive into the rape culture conversation or anything like that. But I think it's obvious that you and I are in full awareness that we chose to embark on those situations. And if I'm putting words in your mouth, please let me know, but embark on those situations in an effort to transmute that story from the collective consciousness. Um, that's, that's how I see it. You know, I, I kind of have this vision of us all prior to incarnating, sitting around this table and being like, okay, cool. I'll take rape. I'll take this. I'll take, you know, racism. I'll take war, whatever it might be. And, and we, and then we choose to come here and have those experiences, giving ourselves the option of choosing differently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have to agree. And so what the way I name it is that our greatest pain becomes our greatest point of power. And so here I was facing death because it was an extreme situation and what was birthed of that. So the point of power of this for me, the reclamation piece is now my life's work is dedicated to empowering women's sexual sovereignty and men as well. But my, I specifically work with women, but it's true for all people. So there is something. Um, so here's what happens. We're a woundology in a victim culture, but, but sovereignty, you, you, you have to make a choice. You're either in victim or you're sovereign, but you can't 
be both. Mm -hmm. So when you choose to be sovereign, and for the listeners right now, you could literally be standing or sitting wherever you're standing and sitting, and you could define that space as current reality or, you know, this is where I sit when I'm in my victim, and take one step to the side and claim that space as your sovereignty, you've now had to let go. You have to intentionally let go of the right to hold the victim badge. That is the primary step to really stepping into sovereignty and to understanding that. Because so long as we hold that badge in our psyche, there is no space for the full reclamation and transformation. And then we're applauded as a survivor Mm -hmm. But we're not invited into these, the other portion of healing, which is coming into thriving, which yep. is where the gift is now born. So we've had the initiation, but we haven't birthed the gift. And to do that, we really absolutely must, you know, take that little badge off our, our jacket, <laughs> put it down and go, I let that go. And I'm going to claim this now and be curious about the, the gift that can emerge from that. And it may not be obvious right away. But Tanya, mm -hmm. I can see, even though you wrote a book and you've been on this long journey, that you are actually very embodied and you are leading from an embodied place. And that's very important to me that our leaders right now are embodied. And what I mean by that is if you're a mother, you're a leader. If mm -hmm. you have your own business and you interact with just a few people, you are a leader. If you are any part connected to any other human, you are a leader. And when we can be embodied, that means we're really here in our bodies, in our hearts. We're willing to feel. We're willing to get um, real and just own, you know, this is how it is for me right now. Then, then we have the opportunity to shift what I was saying earlier, this huge inertia of social conditioning and mm -hmm. create a space for the uniqueness and the beauty of each individual to finally have a voice and be have the right to exist so beautiful you're so you know you're so eloquent in how you go about it i, I love the the juxtaposition i remember uh, i was working with a young woman one time um very young and she'd had an experience with her grandfather that was unpleasant and um she'd been through therapies and all, all kinds of whatnot around it and i remember sitting there talking to her and i i had a little bit less couth probably back then than I might might express now but I was sitting there and, and and you know I said here's the biggest challenge with any sort of victimization is you know we work through this the the fact that it happened and and then we work through what it meant for us and we kind of define ourselves like you said as a survivor I said but look at it this way like like here you were walking along and somebody just handles hands you this big pile of shit right so now you're carrying around this big pile of shit and you're defined by the fact that you're the person carrying this big pile of shit. You didn't necessarily ask for that shit, like consciously, um, but you're carrying it around. And then you get okay with the idea that, yeah, you know what? That's right. I'm carrying around this big pile of shit, right? And it's kind of this empowered thing. <clears throat> the challenge is what happens when you do set it down? You, will, you can never go back to the point in time when you weren't somebody who once carried a big pile of shit, you can't, mm. you can't do that. Mm. But who do you get to be on the other side of being the person who carried the pile of shit, being the person who set it down and being the person who emerged from that space. Mm. It's has to be a different person than it was before you ever got it. 
Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we move into the space of, you know, with all of our growth phases where we get comfortable being the person who carries it or even being the person who wants to set it down, but not really sure what I look like on the other side of that. So I'm just going to keep referring back to this because it keeps us from having to move into this emergent space. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, but that's really where the gift is. And, and with the superpower conversation, that's where I constantly bring it back to. And, and you, and you hit on it earlier is like the whole, your mess is your message. Like there is a reason for it. You agree to this. Like I, yes, as a young girl, a young human person. No, of course not. You didn't agree to be abused by your grandfather. I get it. However, your spirit and where you connect in oneness was absolutely aware and chose this and, and, and was willing to go through this, but for what purpose? And you get to choose whether or not you're going to embody the transmutation of that. Absolutely. Or not, or feed the victim thing. And, yeah. and, and I, for one, it, believe that we have enough people feeding the victim thing. <laughs> You know? We definitely do. And, and there is an urgency right now for all of us to really step into the fullness of who we are and express that. Even if your particular life is, you know, you might think that what you're doing doesn't have huge impact. It really, really does. And so I just want to say to affirm what you've been sharing the importance because the whole topic of our conversation was to loving you know, ourselves first orgasmically. And so the piece I want to say and bring it back to this self-care and the self-love and this deep, profound respect of self is that we do actually need to spend time marinating in our own essence because this is how then we get to articulate, we get to express that which wants to be birthed from us versus living life on everyone else's terms. That's what it means to be sovereign. We live life on our own terms, but we can't know what those are if we don't spend time marinating in our own essence mm. and being willing to, to be cracked open because what's in there is pretty uh, remarkable. <laughs> mm. I, I Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought it back to that. One last quick quip is, um, and it goes back to something you said earlier and what you just wrapped up with. I remember um, I had a co quick conversation one time with an aide to one of the congressmen. And he asked me, he goes, what would, where would, um, where would someone have to sit for on the issues for you to agree to work with them? And I was, I kind of looked at it and it was like, it was like, I got that confused dog look, like does not compute. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, Oh, I was like, yeah, I don't really care where people sit on the issues. And I was like, those words came out of my mouth before I could self-edit. And I was like, that's an interesting thing for me to say. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder why that happened. And, and I sat with it and I, and I said, yeah, that's truth. I said, I don't really care where someone sits on the issues. What I care about is what vibration they're sitting in when they explore the issues. Mm. And for those of you who well, actually, we're all leaders. Like you said, if, if, you, if you have a child, if you have a spouse, if you have friends, you know, you have the ability to be leaders. And, and, and for me, the most important thing we can do is exactly what we've been talking about, which is being willing to explore self and to love self and to move into those spaces, but really take ownership of what are you perpetuating? What are you maybe inadvertently um, signing on to that, that you don't even realize it? Are you 
choosing to step into that full autonomy and sovereignty and, and stake a claim and say, you know what, it may not be popular, but, but I do believe this. And I, and I do think that it's worthwhile to give voice to the alternative. Um, and we, we just need people to be courageous and to do that. And so, so I wanted to kind of close out on that, that really practical note to such a yummy, juicy conversation we've been having because sometimes we get caught up and, oh, yeah, I want to love myself. And then we turn around and we co-sign on something that perpetuates just the opposite. Exactly. And it is a discipline. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, I, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Where can people go to find out more about you? I think the most appropriate place would be what I call the daring project. So literally the words, the daring project.com. And what this is, is um, it's a movement of international women at this point. It's a curated group. And we uh, look at, how to be more courageous, how to be more daring in all areas of our lives. What does it mean in our micro moments? And can we come forward with our story so that we actually can change, change it? And are we willing to notice that we matter and our voice matters and what our choices do have impact? So that's mm. the community. And it's been such an incredible pleasure <laughs> to be here with you, Tonya. I feel like I've met a soul sister Aww. and it's just, um, a really deep honor to have shared my heart with your community. Oh, well, thank you. Well, right back at you. And I guess I should just be transparent that I'm just going to make sure that we're BFFs moving forward. So you really don't have a choice in that matter. I don't think. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, thank you so much. And to all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.